Good morning. Well, over the years, we've heard this gospel many times. And on the surface, its message seems fairly clear about our need to use our talents and multiply them to our fullest ability, unlike that third servant who just buried his. But of course, this being a parable, it's, it's never that simple. For if you look at this first century story, using insight from current scripture scholars with a sympathetic eye towards the third slave and recognize the master for what he is, a very different story unfolds. To do so, we have to take our capitalist ideals and we gotta put them aside. Acknowledge that the goal in life is not about how much worth and wealth we can amass or about the amount of natural resources we can consume. The world in which this parable was told has the belief of limited wealth, which means that the culture of that time thought that there was only so much wealth that existed and that the only way to increase yours was to decrease somebody else's. Therefore, the honorable goal in one's life was to only satisfy the needs of one's family, not to amass or consume more than that by taking away from others. Looking at the parable from this perspective, it's the master who is the wicked one, who gave significant amounts of money to his servants in order to greedily increase his own personal wealth. In those days, it was called usury. It was forbidden in the Old Testament. Today, we call it loan sharking. Therefore, the third servant is not wicked, except in the eyes of those who are greedy. Rather, he's honorable as he decides to safeguard the money given to him, not take advantage of others, and in doing so, he blows the whistle on the master, the one who harvested where he did not plant and gathered where he did not scatter. This gives us new insight into an old parable. But how does that benefit us today? Well, unlike the gifts given by the Master, the gifts we receive from God are the gifts of grace. They are freely given and given in abundance to all people. But for what purpose? The answer comes from this 25th chapter of Matthew where we find Jesus giving his followers the final words of warning on about that final judgment day. See, last week, if you remember, we were told to stay awake for we do not know the day or the hour when the Lord will come. Today's parable tells us about the use of our talent. And lastly, next week, we will hear that discourse on how we will be judged on that final day. And it's that last section on how we will be judged that's the key to opening up today's gospel and parable of the wisdom of this third servant as it answers the question, for whom do we use our talents? For Matthew's very straightforward on the criteria that will be used on Judgment Day. That on that day, we will all be asked this. Did we use our gifts and act with deeds of mercy for others? But not just for any others, but for the least of our brothers and sisters. Did we go ahead and feed the hungry, clothe the naked, welcome the stranger, care for the sick, and visit those imprisoned? 
Did we use our gifts not focusing on amassing self-worth, but on actively using our talents for those in need? Maybe the best way to look at this parable is through the eyes of another story that brings clarity to the use of our gifts. There was once a village chief who had three sons, each with a special talent. The oldest had the talent of raising olive trees and would trade the oil for tools and cloth. The second son was a shepherd, and when the sheep were ill, he had a great talent for making them well again. And the third, he was a dancer. And when there was a streak of bad luck in the family or when everyone was bored during the hard winters, the son would cheer them up and dance. Before the father left on a long journey, he called the sons together and said, My son, the villagers are depending on the special talents each of you have for helping people. So while I am gone, see to it that you use your talents as wisely and as well as possible, so that when I return, I will find the village even more happy and prosperous than it is now. He embraced his sons and departed. For a while, things went well. But then the cold winter winds began to blow and the snows arrived. First, the buds on the olive trees shrank and cracked, dooming the trees to a long recovery. Then, because of the especially long winter, the village ran out of firewood. So the people began to cut the trees down, but in the process were denuding and destroying the village. And even though the first son did not want to see his trees cut down, he knew the villagers needed heat to survive, so he helped them make firewood from his beloved olive trees. Then, too, the snow and ice made it impossible for traders to come up river or over the mountain pass. So the villagers said, let us kill the sheep and eat them so we don't starve to death. The second son refused for a while, but finally had to give in to the hungry villagers. He remarked, what good would it be to spare the sheep only to have the villagers perish? In this way, the villagers had just enough wood for their fires and food for their tables, but the bitter winter had broken their spirits. They began to think of the things, that things were really worse than they were, and they began to lose all hope. So much so that family by family deserted the village in search of a more hospitable environment. As spring began to loosen the icy grip of winter, the father returned to find smoke rising only from his own chimney. What have you done, he asked when he reached the house and spoke to his sons. What happened to the villagers? Oh, father, forgive me, said the oldest son. The people were freezing and begged me to cut down the olive trees, and so I did. I gave away my talent. I'm no longer fit to be an orchard keeper. The second son said, don't be angry, father. The sheep would have frozen to death anyway, and the people were starving, so I had to send my flock to the slaughter. But the father understood and said, don't be ashamed, my sons. You did the best you could, and you acted rightly and humanely for the good of others. You used your talents wisely in trying to save people. But tell me, what's become of them? Where are they? The two brothers fixed their eyes on the third son, who said, Welcome home, Father. Yes, it's been a hard time. There was so little to eat and so little firewood. I thought it would be insensitive and proper to dance during such suffering. 
Besides, besides, I needed to conserve my strength so I could dance for you when you came home. Then dance, my son, said the father, for my village is empty and so is my heart. Fill it with joy and courage once again. Yes, please dance. As the third son went to get up, he made a face of pain and fell down. His legs were so stiff and sore from sitting that they were no longer fit for dancing. The father was so sad that he couldn't even be angry. He simply said to his third son, ours was a strong village. It could have survived the want of fuel and food, but it could never have survived without hope. Because you failed to use your talent wisely and well for the good of our people, they gave up with what little hope they had, and they left. So now, the village is deserted, and you are crippled, and your punishment has already fallen upon you. And with these words, he embraced his three sons and wept. My sisters and brothers, today's gospel reminds us that no matter what challenges and hardships and pain we are facing in our lives, we're all called to unfold our legs and to dance. Versus hoarding our talents to increase our self-worth or to use the gifts we have, we have to serve others, thus to bring love and hope to those who have none. For on our judgment day, we're told that God will ask us the following. Did you take the gifts and the graces I gave you, and did you feed my sheep and tend my flock? Did you see me, welcome me, clothe me, feed me, hold me, care for me, visit me, comfort me, embrace me, and remain in me so that you could bear much fruit? Me, I am who am, the one who's found in each of you, in those around you, and those so different from you, and in the very least of you? That would be the question. What will be your answer?